Morning. I uh, hope you had a great 4th of July and uh, got to see some fireworks. Uh, you know, uh, there are some passages in the Bible that have some uh, fireworks. Uh, not not li- literally, of course, uh, but there are uh, big-time stories, right? You have uh, David and Goliath, Jesus walks on water, Jesus conquers the grave, and then you have stories like we're going to get to today, which just takes place in a kitchen, maybe a living room, but we need these sorts of stories, too, because most of the time, in fact, the vast majority of the time, our lives are pretty mundane, and we've got to know how to follow Jesus in the simple times, too. If you want to follow along with our passage today, there's a Bible under every chair. I encourage you to uh, bend over, pick it up. Uh, We're going to be on page 843, or if you want to have it in front of you today, you can use the Renovation Church app. Just have Bible and uh, weekly verses. Uh, We are continuing in the book of Luke, as we've been doing for the last uh, year and a half or so, uh, on and off. Uh, We're in our fourth message, actually, of chapter 10. We get to chapter 11 uh, next week. So uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 38 is where we are at. Here's what it says. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, so Jesus visits the house of these uh, two sisters. They also have a brother uh, named Lazarus that you see in a different story in the Bible. Uh, They're getting a meal ready. There's probably going to be some dinner later. Maybe Jesus' disciples are going to join or something. But Mary decides she's going to go and sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he has to say. Martha, though, is frustrated because there's a lot to get done, right? And you can almost imagine Martha just shooting icy dart glares over at Mary, right? Like, right? And yet nothing's happening. In fact, she gets so frustrated that Mary's not coming to help in the kitchen that she even says to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that Mary's not coming to help me? And Jesus says, Martha, only one thing is needed. And Mary, who's seated at his feet, has chosen that one thing. Now, I think there are a lot of us, uh, particularly in our culture, that feel a lot more like Martha in the kitchen than we do like Mary. I know I do. I can be Martha uh, with my eyes closed, uh, walking backwards. Uh, Being busy is the most natural thing in the world to me, but being like Mary, just sitting, just being I just get, I just, I'm going to be honest with you, I just get antsy, right? <laughs> like, I want to go get some stuff done. Yeah, as our uh, church has uh, begun to shift to have more of a culture of prayer, that is just to have an emphasis on prayer, one of the things I've been trying to do is just extend uh, my own personal prayer times in the morning. But I find that it's often that I'll be sitting there at my desk first thing in the morning, and I'm praying, and, you know, some time goes by, and I just immediately, my mind goes, oh, my task list is so large today. I have so much to do. I just close the Bible. Like, I got to get to it. I got to get to it. 
But what am I doing? I'm saying that in that moment that it's, it's, it's more important to be like Martha than it is like Mary. I'm saying it's more important to serve than it is to sit. You know, I, I think Martha is like a lot of us. Or she's trying to do the right thing. I mean, says so she's the one that actually opened up her home to have Jesus come in. She's trying to get things done, get organized. I think the Marthas of the church are often the people who lead small groups, they lead momentum meetings, they come on staff, they're here serving almost every week, they're getting things done. Uh, sometimes they're assertive people, sometimes they speak their mind. Yeah, Martha shows up uh, in another story in John chapter 11, it's when her brother Lazarus, uh, he's dead, and Jesus comes, he's going to resurrect him from the dead. And Martha is the one, just as Jesus is ready to roll the stone away, Martha comes and she says, uh, uh, Jesus, just so you know, it's been four days, it's going to smell. <laughs> you just like you get a sense of this woman's personality. I just love it. <laughs> and yet Jesus, when she says you need to you need to tell Mary to come in the kitchen, Jesus says, "Uh, uh-uh, not going to do that." Only one thing is really needed. And Jesus isn't very diplomatic here. As as a modern Western people, I think this sort of throws us off. We would expect Jesus to say, "Hey, uh, Martha." Uh, what Mary's doing is really great. In fact, what you're doing is also great. You know what? All things are great. That's kind of how we want to assess life. And some commentators, they even look at this passage and like, you know, whatever they're doing, it's all great. That's not what he says. He says one thing. One thing. There is one starting place. And it's not going to be taken away from Mary because she's at the right starting place at his feet. Uh, You know, I think we need to look carefully at this passage, as you do when you look at any Bible passage, because it's the Word of God. It's not the fact that Martha was serving that was bad. Of course, it's great to serve God. It's the fact that she was distracted, it says. Her, Her serving has taken priority over what was an even greater thing. She had the chance to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, I think this is a true principle for those of you that have been following Jesus for a long time, and even for those of you in this room that are just checking Jesus out. So if you've been kind of hanging out here lately and you've been thinking, ah, maybe I should just start going to church more, maybe I should start trying to be a better person and all those things, I think Jesus would say to you, don't, actually only one thing is needed. It's to come, it's to sit at my feet. It's to give your life to me. You start there. Start with just being a follower. You know, even the context of this passage is, uh, is interesting. If you look, if your Bibles are still open, if you look at the story uh, before, that's where we were last week, actually. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, about the Samaritan who stops and helps the dying man on the side of the road. So that happens, and then we go right into this particular story. And Jesus is essentially saying, hey, listen, serving, super important. But if your serving is disconnected from him, He's saying, you're missing it. He's saying, I'm the most important thing. And he emphasizes that, right, by saying one thing is needed. Are you seeking it that way? Would you say, above all things in your faith, that you're seeking to be at his feet first? You know, at his feet is kind of a a curious expression. There's a lot wrapped up in that, it, it, you know, in, in ancient times, it meant a lot more than just literally sitting next to someone's feet. In the Bible, to sit at someone's feet meant that you were going to come under their authority. 
Uh, so you see this phrase even a number of times in, in scripture. Uh, Acts chapter four, for example, a Barnabas sells a field and it says that he brings the money and he puts it at the apostles' feet. Like you wouldn't do that, right? When you sell your house, you know, you're not dropping on someone's feet, right? But in those days, that meant he was essentially saying, now this money is under your authority, it's under your control. Even uh, if you remember back, I think this was maybe around Christmas time, we were in Luke chapter 8, so we've made a lot of progress in <laughs> six months. We were in Luke chapter 8, and there's a story where Jesus delivers the, the man who had the demons in him, and he sends the demons into the pigs that go off the cliff. You remember that story? It says, when the man, they, they came back to the man, it says the man was in his right mind, and it says, and he was sitting at Jesus's feet, which is the posture in those days of a disciple, of a follower. And so when Mary comes and sits at Jesus' feet, in a sense, she's surrendering to him. And fascinatingly here, Jesus is also saying that she, as a woman, could be one of his disciples, one of his followers, which would have been unheard of at that time, right? It's it's almost in a sense, you can get the sense that Martha is almost saying, like, Mary, mm -mm, this isn't your place. You need to get back in the kitchen. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. For everybody, it starts here. Everything starts here, at my feet. I think there's even more here. When you put yourself at the feet of Jesus, you are declaring with your time that God has authority on your life, that he is God, he is king, he is in control, that he sets your day, and he empowers you to live in your day. See, every time that I... When I'm in prayer, every time that I say, oh, enough of this, I just got, I have so much to do, I have so much to get done. Every time that you in your life say, oh, I know I should pray this morning before I go to work, before I get up with the kids, before I, but I just, oh, seriously, I have so much to do today, I'm not going to pray today. Every time that we do that, like Martha, what we're doing is we are, just as the text says, it says, we are worried about many things. And so we're saying to him, God, I don't have time. There's so much to do right now in the kitchen and everything. I don't have time to sit at your feet because I have so many important things to do. Uh, Author Daniel Henderson says it this way. Prayerlessness, us just not praying in general, which is a lot of us. Prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. Like the fact that we choose not to pray in the morning, in the day, the fact that we choose to not take time to sit at his feet is actually the great revealer in your life that you don't really think that you need him. If we did, we'd sit at his feet. See, I would bet if something awful happens to you tomorrow morning, now I, I pray that it doesn't, but if something truly awful were to happen to you tomorrow morning, I can almost guarantee you, if you're a Christian, you're going to be at his feet tomorrow morning. Just declaring to him that you are dependent on him and you need him. But the challenge is, and this is why this passage is so important, in the mundane, in the plain, regular days of our life, most of us declare by our prayerlessness that we don't really think that we need him. Because we're worried about many things and there's so many things that we've got to do on our own. So tomorrow when you wake up, I want you to remember that the king of the universe has invited you, of all people, to come and sit at his feet. 
He wants to give you direction for your day. He wants to give you strength for your day. He wants to give you joy in the midst of whatever may happen. So whatever you do when you wake up tomorrow, do not say, oh, no, I just have so much to do. Don't just do something. Sit there. I think we kind of, sometimes I feel like we miss the biblical model of what it means to even just follow Christ. You know, we look to the book of Acts, for instance, and you see the birth of the early church, and you see all the things that they do, and we jump really right to Acts chapter 2, and we, we say, oh, look at all the people coming to Christ. We better get out there and share our faith. But what's Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1 is the believers that get together in the upper, upper room, and they pray. All they do is they just pray, and they seek God's direction, and they wait for his power. They didn't just do something. They sat there first. And they sought God. Whereas I think most Christians today just go and do something, and then when it doesn't work and life gets difficult, then they go and sit and they ask God to fix what they already decided to do without him. Which is just not a scriptural pattern. You know, what's interesting about Martha is I think she just doesn't believe that Mary's path is going to lead to anything significant. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe you're like this. You're looking at people who, they're just focusing on prayer. They're coming early to prayer meetings. And you're thinking, ah, okay, I get it. Just go get something done. This is exactly why Martha has the audacity to say to the Son of God. She says, look at her. I love her personality. She just said to Jesus, she says, don't you care? Don't you, you tell my sister to come. Don't you care? Like, oh, Why would you ever come with such audacity. Why is she saying that? Well, she's saying that because her heart is already determined that she is doing the right thing. And she can't reconcile the fact that Mary isn't also doing the right thing. But is she? I think sometimes we approach Jesus in a, in a similar way. And notice, Martha is serving Jesus Okay, so it's not like we're contrasting, oh, Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is just out frolicking in a field somewhere, as some of the passage says. Martha is serving Jesus, too. She's getting a meal ready for him. That's great. But her heart is approaching Jesus in such a way where she already has determined the agenda for how she's going to serve him. But what if... Instead of starting with her own agenda for what Jesus wants from her, what if she just would have went to his feet first? Right? This is the starting point, the one thing. What if she would have went to his feet first and said, Lord, what is it that you want from me today? What is it that you want in the first place? Right? What would Jesus have said? You can imagine that he would have said something like, Martha, Martha. I don't, honestly, I don't really need a fancy meal. What you've already made is just fine. Just come, come, sit with me. Let's talk. Let's be together. I have some things I want to share with you. Yeah, I think it, he's probably saying to so many of you today, I don't need your house to be any cleaner. I don't really need you to organize the garage. I don't need you to work an extra 10 hours. I don't need this to be perfect or that. Before any of that stuff, just come, just come and sit with me. Let's talk. Yeah, you can get to some of that stuff, but just, it's, where does it start? It starts at his feet. 
I think the vast majority of us probably don't live like that, right? We live like Martha. We're running around. And maybe we're even trying to serve God, and we're out trying to accomplish X, Y, and Z, and sometimes we get frustrated because God isn't helping us accomplish X, Y, and Z, and that sort of leaves us, and maybe you're in your life right now, and you're going, Lord, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to, li- I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to be a Christian. I'm try- it's like, don't you even care. But honestly, most of us actually never really went to his feet and said, what do you want me to do? Like Martha, we just got to work. And look how Mary actually sits at his feet. What does it say about her? This is a a good reminder, I think, for how we even approach prayer. It does not say, and then Mary sat at his feet and went through a list of prayer requests for the day. Like, you don't see Mary saying, uh, Lord, I'm, uh, I'm going to be traveling to Jerusalem later, so I'm going to need some travel mercies, and uh, I've got a meeting uh, later with uh, Lazarus, so if you could help that go well. So she sat at his feet, and she listened. She sought his direction from his words. Here's what I think one of the big challenges of this passage uh, for a lot of us is. I think many of us find it easier to serve God than we do to seek God. You know what I'm saying? We actually find it easier to just go and serve God than we do to seek him. But God has called you first and foremost to seek him first. This is the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, this is in context here, that passage is about all the things that people are worrying about. All the things that we're worrying about, we're like, oh, I don't have time to sit and pray. (laughs) All those things, all those things will be given to you as well. But first, you seek him. I think a principle for Christian living that you can draw from this passage and from many others in the Bible is this. Seeking leads to serving But serving doesn't always, sometimes it does, but doesn't always lead to seeking God. So Martha could serve, serve, and serve her whole life, and she might not ever actually be at Jesus' feet. In fact, she might even resent him all the more. I know people like this, right? They serve at their churches all the time. But it didn't come from the right core motivation. It didn't come from sitting at his feet first. It came from they just felt like maybe they were pressured or maybe they felt like, oh, this is the right thing to do. I should oh, be in the cafe once a month or whatever, right? And they serve and serve and serve and serve, but their faith never grows any deeper. Maybe they even grow to resent it over time because serving doesn't always lead to seeking God, but seeking God will lead to serving. Because when you sit at the feet of Jesus every day and you start to actually get in your heart how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he cares for the lost, that's going to move you to serving every time. In fact, we see this in Mary's life. So Mary and Martha, they show up in John chapter 11 and also John chapter 12. And in John chapter 12, we see Mary is now serving Jesus. It says that she's pouring perfume on his feet, and she's washing the feet of Jesus. In fact, we're told that what she's doing is she's preparing him for his burial. In fact, he would be uh, crucified on the cross six days after that. What I find is really fascinating about this is Mary, of all people, knew 
and understood that Jesus was going to die. But if you read the Gospels, one of the humorous things of the Gospels is you see Jesus consistently trying to tell his disciples, hey guys, I'm going to die. And they're like, no, 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 you're not. (laughs) But Mary, who's taken the time to sit at his feet, not only does that lead to serving, but it's also leading to spiritual wisdom and knowledge as well. So I think a question for every single one of us is, what are you putting first? If you were to assess your spiritual life, what is coming first for you? Serving Jesus or seeking him? Which would you say is taking priority in your spiritual life? Uh, Quick side note, I actually think uh, as a pastor, this is a hard passage to apply, if I'm just brutally honest, in America in 2019. Honestly, I think a lot of Americans aren't like Mary or Martha. To me, they're more like a fictional third sister. Let's call her Margaret. Uh, So while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and uh, Martha is serving Jesus in the kitchen, uh, there's Margaret, the American sister, is over in the living room reclining in the easy chair saying, Hey, Jesus, when are you going to come over and serve me? That's a different message. Let me talk to those of you in the room that are just resonating with Martha. You're like, this is me. Like, I, I, I do love Jesus, but most of the time, I'm not really like seeking him at his feet. I'm just trying to serve and do good. My guess is there's a chance that you might just be tired. Uh, maybe like Martha, maybe you're worried about many things. Maybe you're worried and upset about many things. That's what it says of Martha. If you're there, if you're tired from trying to do good. I'm trying to serve the Lord. Please don't quit. Don't quit serving. I can assure you that God is not looking for you to take it easy while the world perishes around you. Don't quit. But what you need to do is re-examine if perhaps the reason that you're tired and overwhelmed in the first place is because you have been living as Martha and not as Mary. Mary's not at the feet of Jesus. She's not overwhelmed and worried and upset about many things. If you're tired and overwhelmed, is it possible that you missed step one of the Christian faith? Sitting at his feet. Perhaps, I think like a lot of Christians, you just jumped to steps two, three, and four. I gotta go out and do this. This is kind of what Christians do, but you missed Step one, to sit at his feet and really seek him every day. I will tell you, Christian faith is incredibly tiring and exhausting if you miss step one. It's going to leave you feeling irritable and worried and frustrated. I think way too many Christians, they get into steps two, three, and four, and then they quit. They quit serving and spending their life serving Jesus because they're exhausted, all because they missed step one. Go back to step one. And then serve God is so much that he can do through you. If you're sitting here today and you just, you feel overwhelmed, you have got more things going on in your life than you can possibly do. You're like Martha in the kitchen going, how am I ever going to get this done? You better send Mary in because it's just not possible. I can't get it done. I would say to you, that means that you're probably doing things that God doesn't need you to do. I never even directed you to do in the first place. 
Let me tell you something about God. God is not a poor manager of time. So it's not like God is looking down at my life and going, Oh, I, sorry, David, I just, oh, I see you're, oh, you're so busy right now. You're working too many hours because, I'm so sorry, I gave you way too many things again. I keep doing that. That's ridiculous, right? Who's that on? It's on me. Spur- Spurgeon once said this. He said, The Lord Jesus got on very well before we were born. And it is very likely that he will get on exceedingly well when we are dead. I think so much of our anxiety, like Martha, and our frustration comes out of the fact that we are so busy doing the things that Jesus didn't even need you to do in the first place. But you don't know that because you haven't gone to his feet to ask him what he wants you to do. Step one. So if God's word has just been speaking to you this morning, you know you've got to go to him first. Don't just leave here today going, oh, I should do that. What are you going to do? How can you change your schedule, your calendar, even tomorrow, to seek him first? He wants you to be at his feet, under his direction, and he wants to give you the empowerment to go out and live out his will. Let me pray that God will help us do that. Lord, we, we come to you today as a room full of a whole lot of Marthas. And we, we just tell you that so often we just go. We go thinking we already know what to do, but in honest, all honesty, we haven't actually sought your face. We haven't sought your direction. Would you teach us to be a people that sits first and foremost at your feet? And that we sit like Mary, that we sit and listen. God, we pray that you would speak to us. Even now, as, as we worship in the last, this last song, that you would, you would speak to us, and we would know your love and know your direction. It's in your name we pray. Amen.